You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Guidepost. It's just me today, so uh, I hope y'all listen to it anyway, even though you got to hear my horrible voice. Um, so Tony here, and and uh, I cannot tell you how excited I am to have the guests that we're having on today. And, you know, I guess the Guides Association values itself, our, our core values are integrity and transparency, and we have not been terribly transparent about what we've been working on for the past year behind the scenes because um, it's a big deal. And, and, and we kind of had to work, work at it behind the scenes, uh, just countless hours. And I, I we're going to get into what it is and a million questions and all that stuff. But I think this is uh in my opinion, this is a, a, a ray of hope for the recreational community. Um, it is it is our community of conservation-minded anglers are going to be able to contribute to science. They're going to be able to contribute to data. Um, and, and hopefully those two contributions will get all mixed up and shot back out and, and allow us to have more consistent and sustainable fisheries moving forward. So all that said, that was the primer. My guest today is actually someone that over time I have become super good friends with. Um, and he has a background in uh, online learning, uh, as well as AI, uh, artificial intelligence through online learning. And I'm going to prime up the conversation I'm going, to get, I'm going to get him just to take off like a shot from a cannon with, with this statement. My friend called me, I don't know, 10 months, a year ago and said, hey, I'm really bored uh, with, with what I'm doing and I want to do something that I'm super passionate about. And you know, I'm a diehard fisherman and I have all this, all this knowledge about, you know, data and all this other stuff that I do every day and I want to help fisheries out. You want to you want to do something cool? And I still remember it like it was yesterday. I was just sitting there and I was like, "Giddy up!" So this is this is the result of about ten to twelve months of giddy up with my friend Lu Yin Cho, who I, I, I think, with his knowledge and his background, is getting ready ready to kind of fundamentally change how we collect data and how we use data to better science and sustainable fisheries for the recreational sector. So Lou, let's go, buddy. Just like, just like that phone call, like 10 months, a year ago, let's, let's just go, man. Say hello to everyone and just start talking, buddy. Cause I'm, I am not good at this. I'm the dumb one. Just go. What an introduction. I'm not sure I can live up to that, Tony. <laughs> sure you can, bud. You have every day since we've been doing this. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And and I, I appreciate our friendship and all of the guidance uh, that you've provided to me. I've learned a ton 
just uh, over these past 10 months and super excited about uh, sort of getting the word out about uh, Got One and what we've been doing with ASGA to, to all of our, our fishing and fisheries friends out there. So, um, you know, just very briefly in terms of my background, you know, you mentioned Tony, I've been, uh, I've been in the technology and specifically in the education technology space for the better part of 35 years. Um, and I started in, in this field because I saw way back in those early, early days, uh, in the late eighties and early nineties, uh, the opportunity to fundamentally transform education through digital technology. Uh, I never thought that I'd get to the point where I, I would have the same epiphany about fishing and fisheries management and, and, and fisheries science. But that's that's kind of where I am today and why we're having this conversation, which is super exciting uh, uh, for me. Um, so, uh, you know, I've been involved in ed tech for a long time. I've started uh, a number of ed tech companies. I've worked at large public ed tech companies. I've led large um, technology teams and product development teams. And so I've always been around data and digital technology. I started as a as a coder uh, working on early, really primitive artificial intelligence systems back when I was in high school in 1985. So the, the recent um, excitement and, uh, and energy around artificial intelligence is something that is near and dear to me and also super exciting to me. And I think it's a, it's a really interesting time to, to be someone who's passionate about uh, technology and about digital transformation. So the, the story, uh, and this is Tony, where you and I first uh, started talking about this project, brainstorming this, uh, this, this project. The story is basically that, you know, for as long as I've been longer than I've been interested in technology, I've been passionate about fishing, um, you know, since I was probably, you know. So Lou, you go, you go back to like real time. Oh yeah, like the I message mean, boards. If there's any old people on this listening, yeah. like back before there was social media, there was a couple of real popular message boards <clears throat> for saltwater fishing, and Lou Lou used to write for Real Time back in the day, right? You wrote a couple articles for them. Yeah, and you, I you were friends with a couple of the guys who started yeah, well, it, right? So, that was your so fishing circle. Yeah, so big big shout out to Thorne Sparkman, who in many respects was one of the early uh pioneers in thinking about how digital could transform fishing, right? So he created Real Time, which was an incredibly vibrant community, pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, um, where folks like us who were saltwater fly fishermen were, you know, had a chance to connect. And that's where I met you know, so the whole community, um, you know, as many of the guides who are the top guides today, you know, we were all on that message board together. So big shout out to real time. It's like that uh, you just reminded me that brings back a flood of memories. I remember I wrote an, an article, gosh, it must've been like 92 on, uh, on New York city saltwater fly fishing, um, and, and how it was like this, this hidden gem, uh, uh so anyway, yeah, actually this has been in my blood for a long time, but all through those years, um, like so many of the folks who are listening to this and so many other you know anglers, uh, I kept a paper journal, a paper log of my catches uh, because I'm a I'm a data oriented person and 
I wanted to know uh, what when I was catching fish, what species, uh, what moon phases, what tide stages, what water temperatures. Um, and I did this for honestly for probably the better part of two decades. But like so many other folks, uh, it, it just it's a very onerous process and it's very hard to maintain. You know, if you're standing in in waders and water and and in you know against a rip and you're trying to, to you know release a fish and take notes on what you caught and you don't really know what the water temperature is, or if you're on a boat and you're trying to handle tricky conditions and you got a sport up on the bow who's playing a fish, last thing you're thinking about doing is recording all the details of that catch. And so like, I think many anglers, I kind of gave up on it uh, in recent years. And it was a few years ago that I just had this epiphany that this is a problem that was better solved through digital technology, that my iPhone knew when I caught a fish, what time it was, what day it was, um, and exactly where I was. And uh, through that data, I could triangulate on um, all of the data that was coming out increasingly from weather buoys and NOAA sensors and all sorts of commercial APIs to figure out things like moon phase, tide stage, water temperature, air temperature, barometric pressure. Um, that I, that, that I got that for free just from knowing the time and place uh, and, and, and of a catch. And as long as I sort of said, hey, I, I got one and here's a species, here's a length, everything else came free. Uh, and I just figured someone would develop a fish logging app for a mobile phone that um, I could download and, and use. And the funny thing is over two, three years, nobody did. Uh, and there are a bunch of fishing apps out there, but they were really more about spot burning than they were about the the, the data on my catch. Uh, it didn't really solve the problem I wanted to solve as fishermen. And so I finally caved so in. What you, so just because you brought something up, just I'm going to interject like yep. three sentences. Okay. Because the story is very compelling and I don't want to, I don't want to mess with your flow. So there's a couple of different, you know, in our community, in the fishing community, I'd say there's a couple of different schools of thought. One is, you know, more of a traditional school of thought that you, you earn your credibility through experience, through going out and spending time on the water, seeing things, understanding things. And then there's kind of like this new group that uses, you know, these apps that you can join and you can look at like recent fishing reports and it'll tell you like X marks the spot or, you know, I think every area has that group of, you know, 20 or 30 people who just launch their boat, pick up their cell phone, call their network, where are the fish and then put the pictures all up over social media with the background in them and, and everyone melts down so to be really clear to the listeners, this tool that you have developed with your team is a huge benefit to the traditional fisherman who wants to learn through experience and keep an incredible log that they can reference and raise the level of their knowledge through data 
that can either uh, be a confirmation bias on like, hey, this is what I saw and this proves it. Or some of the stuff that I've seen, like, holy crap, I never thought of that before. But here it is in the data. And I just learned something new. So that's all I want to, you know, this is this. All I can say is throughout this entire process, we have gone to extreme lengths to not make this a spot burning tool. It will never be a spot burning tool. We do not like spot burners. And that is that has been a huge motivation. We want to make individual fishermen better and empower them with knowledge and data. Not make it easier to catch a fish because you, you got hit a button. So please go yeah, on. No, you got it, Tony. And I, I think that's exactly right. We want to we want to reward people's time on water. Right. And that's what makes the sport fun. That's what makes it exciting for all of us. We feel like we become Jedi masters just because of the time spent learning what works. And, you know, I, I think about it like this. Got one is a tool. It's not a social platform. It's not a social network replacement. I mean, you can use Instagram. You can use Facebook for that. That's fine. You want to share your catches. You want to brag. That's cool. That's not the, that's not the problem that got one solves. Got one is, you know, it's your Garmin. It's your Raymarine for, for fishing. Um, it's your GPS for fishing. And, um, so that's a really important point. So, you know, the next piece of it though, Tony, as you know, and this is why we started talking, uh, and, and where, you know, you sort of opened the whole world to me was it, we started. So I personally started to use a prototype of this app about five years ago, five, four years ago. And in one or two seasons, I learned more about fishing than I had in probably the last 40 plus years of fishing. Seriously. Um, uh, you know, it, all of a sudden I knew exactly what moon phase striped bass were more active, uh, on, I, I knew exactly what time of year I caught the most false albacore. Uh, um, I, and it, it just opened up incredible insights to me as an angler. Um, and so we were talking about this and you, um, you know, sort of, I think totally blew my mind by saying like, Hey, could we make that data available in a, in a non uh, spot burning way to the broader uh, science and, 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 and fisheries community? And so those are the kinds of challenges as a, as a product and technology guy that I'm like, I got this. <laughs> and so, you know, Tony and I, we uh, spent a lot of time, as you remember, talking to both guides who are the most totally, you know, for good reason, sensitive about spot burning guide community on the one hand and the fisheries management and the marine biology community on the other hand. And so the conversation which is was much longer and more elaborate than this kind of ended up boiling down to, hey, marine biologists, would you be okay if we generalized this data and anonymized it so you didn't know who was logging the data and we generalized the coordinate, the, the geographical coordinates to like 10 to 15 mile increments? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. We, we'd take it, you know, as long as we knew what state a catch was in, we'd be okay. Yeah, they said, I mean, they said 15 to 30 miles. Yeah. They yeah. don't need it. They don't, 
they don't need to know where you caught the fish. They just need to know the general area of where you caught the fish. That's right. Like with when I mean general, 15 miles. Right. So then we turn Which around. I'm cool to, with. I don't know about you, but I'm okay with that. Well, that's the thing. So then we had to validate that with the guides and the anglers, right? So we went back to the guide community and we said, uh, hey, so would you be okay if we shared this information at that kind of like increment? And most of them were like, I fish in no more than a 15 mile radius anyway. Or even if I do, it's like, you know, I'm focused on what small little hole that's uh, 200 yards long. Uh, I have no problem with your sharing that data. Uh, I just don't want you to share the specific location or the track. But if you want to share that aggregated data and it helps to make our fishery better, I'm in. And that just unlocked kind of this double-sided opportunity in the app to both be a tool for fishermen, but more importantly, be a source of um, data that up till now has been unavailable for the fisheries community. So Lou, I'm going to say one other thing. So, you know, as Lou said, these conversations were a lot longer than we just represented them. I mean, it was, it was months, but here, here was the pitch, right? And this is, you have to understand, like, there's a difference between, and I think most of y'all do, there's a difference between the private industry or like a public company where you have to answer to shareholders um, in, a, in a state or federal agency. So this is, I, I speak in, my wife says I speak too much and I speak in too flowery of terms, but this was, this was my pitch to almost every state agency. Like, remember that movie Armageddon where Steve Buscemi, they duct taped him to the chair and they were like, why are you freaking out, man? And he's like, well, I don't know. I'm riding on like a hundred million pounds of, you know, combustible jet fuel and something that has 10 million using movable parts that was built by the lowest bidder. And I think that, you know, a lot of the apps that are out there right now, unfortunately that's what these agencies whether it's a state or a federal agency and i'm not i'm not putting down these apps some of them work you know that's great and some of them you know are commercial but they were all built by the lowest bidder um and a lot of times they weren't built by people who just eat live and breathe fishing and just intrinsically understand fishermen the fisherman community the guide community the private rec community you know all of that kind of stuff this one was and it was built by people who work in the private world who have to answer to shareholders so like all sorts of things like efficiency functionality you know are going to be a lot more robust um, and I'm just going to, you know, all hundred percent transparency, Lou has such a commitment to science, I guess, because of his perspective on the world and data, he, he's not charging what, what we're about to talk about. He's offering this data free to scientists. This is not like a money grab. Like this gentleman is actually creating a portal where this data, this anonymized, decentralized data is going to actually be able to be integrated into different facets of fishery science. And to the to his credit, he's not charging 
he's not charging these scientists, these state agencies, these regional, you know, management bodies, not charging them anything. We just want them to use the data and, and we want it to better inform so we can make sure these fisheries are around for our kids and grandkids. And there ain't a, there ain't an ounce of bullshit in what I just said. Not, not a lot of bullshit in, in most things I say, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, Lou, let's, I guess let's talk about the actual app, what it does. And let's, so we talked about to get people excited. I'm a private rec angler. I download your app. Let's talk about what it's called, where they can get it. I download your app. What am I getting? So you're like, yeah, okay, I feel cool. My It's going to anonymize my data and scientists are going to use it. But that really doesn't create retention because apps are apps out there right now are clunky there's too many questions they don't they don't function you know half the time and there's no tool for retention because if there's a hundred fish breaking all around you you're not going to take 10 minutes to pull a phone out and do all this shit you're going to keep fishing and i mean any fisherman's going to do that but this does something a little bit different that'll retain users so if I'm a private rec angler and I go to my app store from whatever phone I have, what am I going to get out of this app as a private rec angler? Yeah. So great, great question, Tony. So uh, first of all, um, and I, you know, I, I know we'll, we'll post this information in, in the podcast description, but uh, for more information about the app, you just go to www.gotoneapp.com. That's G O T. Uh, O-N-E-A-P-P.com. Uh, it's available for both iPhone and Android. It's available in the App Store and Google Play. Um, and if you're a recreational, private recreational angler, the value you get from it is you have a permanent record of every fish that you've ever caught and what the circumstances of that catch were, so long as you log it. Right. So uh, if you're like me, I remember these catches. I remember these incredible blitzes at Montauk, but I struggle to remember more than that. Like which day exactly was that? Where was, where was I? Was it off a of ditch plains? Was it at the radar tower? What was the water temperature? What was the tide? What was the tide? What was right? the moon, moon phase? phase? Right. So all of that is just at the tip of your fingers. As long as you make it a habit of tagging, your catches or logging your catches. We've made the logging as easy as possible, right? Because I, I've participated, for instance, in some of our, you know, state uh, surveys for for striped bass and so on. And tagging, uh, you know, logging a catch is really onerous. You got to do it on paper. You got to like measure, you know, down to the half centimeter and take a scale and this, that, and the other thing. I, and then you got to mail it all in and then you never get the data back. Right. So this is literally three taps. Um, got one species size. That's it. That's all you need to do. Everything else is done by the app. And now we've actually added um, voice commands. So you can actually just say stripe bass 32 inches and you're done. Uh, and so once you have that, um, 
that data logged, you can look back at specific catches, but then also what we do is provide aggregate reporting so you can look at graphs that show which moon phase or tide uh, or time of year you're catching the most of the species or that species on. So that is the real value to you is you have insight into the history of your fishing. You know, Tony, I, I caught my first ever permit uh, this spring down in Mexico. And, um, you know, I remember many of my first doves, my first, uh, my first snook, my first tarpon, uh, my first redfish, but I damned if I can remember where exactly I caught it, what, what, let alone what moon phase or tide phase or, you know, moon, moon phase or tide stage it was. I know with that permit that I caught that I will forever have a record of that catch. And that's incredibly valuable to me as a fisherman. Well, you know, <clears throat> I'm just thinking, so what, what this app does not to be like completely nerdy because I look, um, I, I've sat in on these phone calls and we've hung up and I've called Lou and been like, look, just hook the thing into my neck and turn me into a human battery on the matrix. <laughs> like the end is near, you know, I, it's the, the technology is shocking, but so like, you know, everywhere that we fish, you know, primarily most of the trips, Noah will back me up on this. Most of the trips in saltwater within eight miles of shore, the shoreline. Okay. Yeah. There's big effort for tuna and billfish and stuff like that. But generally speaking, the vast disproportionate number of the trips are, are close to shore. So just about everywhere that we live, you know, I know where I am in the Chesapeake Bay, there's an extensive uh, array of interpretive buoy systems that are constantly beaming up, you know, real time information on the water conditions. So what Lou and his team have been able to do is tap into that network and so let me just run this through for a private rec angler. You basically have your phone, you download the app, you sign up for it, you register, you start fishing, you go out and I catch a striper in the Chesapeake Bay and I say, you know, Siri got one and the damn thing opens and I say striper 34 inches and that's it. You have logged your catch. Now, there's other stuff that we're going to get into later in the podcast. It's a little more complicated, but bluefish, striped bass, you know, whatever. Siri bluefish, 25 inches. Well, when that happens, the app knows to go up into internet land in the, in, in the sky, and it finds the nearest buoys sends all the information to your phone and then this is where i may go off the tracks a little bit because i but basically over time and you're recording all those catches it puts all of that data privately into your phone in a non-sql database and it has all these charts now so i can hit like I can look at the chart for bluefish or false albacore or striped bass and say, you know, what moon phase did I catch the most stripers in? 
Right. You got it. And, and it'll sort the whole damn thing by moon phase. And then you're like, okay, okay, now I know that. What was the ideal water temperature where I caught the most striped bass? It'll go boop, 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 boop. It doesn't make that noise. That's just, I like to make that noise, you know. We might, we might add that feature, Tony. <laughs> That's, don't, don't. It's, uh, we're already underwater with the budget on this thing. No, no features, no new features until, until everything starts firing on all cylinders. But, the, you know, and then, so like imagine if you had an app on your phone and you could just be like, huh. So you're, you're sitting at a bar with your friends. And you got that loudmouth friend who's like, it's, uh, it's this, and this is the reason why striped bass, and blah, blah, blah. Then you can just pull your phone out and be like, hey, pinhead, guess what? You're wrong. <laughs> well, that, that's but where a lot of this started. 80% of my stripers on, a, on a, a crescent moon with an incoming tide two hours before high tide, and you're wrong. And and here's here's a look at this pie chart. Look at this bar graph that shows differently. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 this is so kind of where we think at. about the time. But think about the time, like me and you grew up in an analog world. So like behind me are probably seven or eight fishing logs that are a third to halfway full, <laughs> and I just gave up on them and lost them. And then I'd buy another book and I'd be like, oh, damn, there's a fishing log that I, you know, and, but they all are sitting together now piecemeal and never did what I wanted them to do, no matter how serious I was about fishing or how, how, how hard I tried. And this thing is basically like, boom, and you have as accurate as data as you can possibly get. And you can just sit there if you're a total, this is designed for fish nerds. This is not designed for people who seek the easy way to catch fish and glorify themselves on social media. This is for fish nerds who want to be the best fishermen that they can be. And you just, I'm just, you know, you just sit there before you go to sleep at night and scrolling through your phone and looking at different ways to sort the information and, and like little light bulbs kind of going off in your head. So this, there you go. Yeah. For private and, and, wreck angler, that's what this brings to the table. Yeah, and 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 you reminded me of some of the reasons that I built the app in the first place. I mean, if I had a dollar, Tony, for every uh argument uh I overheard in a bar amongst a bunch of anglers and guides about what moon phase uh the striped bass fishing was best on. I would be a very rich man, right? And they go, it's always like, well, of course you didn't catch any fish today. It's uh it's the third day before the new moon. What are you talking about? You always catch fish before the new moon. It's, it's after the full moon that you don't get. And, and this is what, you know, as a data guy, it just occurred to me, this is a solvable problem. This should not be a matter of opinion. This is not, do I want the vanilla or chocolate ice cream? There's data and we can figure this out. And, and, and that's what's so thrilling about this. And, you know, I think the other point that you made, which is so important is, um, you know, it just makes it more fun as an angler to be able to actually feel like you're developing insights about your fishing. It's not just luck of the draw. You go out there and some days are good and some days are bad that you have a unfair advantage as an angler as to what conditions uh, are going to be best. And I'll, I'll tell you one other story. And, and you know this, Tony, because I was telling you about this last fall. Uh, the last couple of years, I felt like during the, the fall albie season, 
out here on the east end of Long Island, we kind of get have started to get two different mini seasons. So there's kind of an Albi season right around Labor Day for a couple of weeks. And then those fish kind of disappear for a few weeks. And then there's a later push of fish that are actually bigger and more prolific and, and, and hungrier, I find, later in the fall. Well, the last few seasons, most of the folks that I know, most of the guides are pulling their boats by the end of October. And, you know, I just had this recollection that my best days were in late October, early November. And last season, same thing. Everyone was complaining that the Albi run was terrible. After that early push, everyone was pulling their boats out. I was one of the few boats that was still in the water by mid-November. And I posted something to one of the forums that showed a graph from Got One saying, hey, guys, my best day for Albies by a long shot last season was on November 19th. <laughs> and sure enough, on November 19th of this past season was when I caught the most Albies yet again. And I was the only boat in the water. So it just helps you be a much better angler and it makes it fun. So, you know. Okay. So now we're collecting all of this data as individuals. Okay. And so in fishery science, recreational fishing has always taken a backseat to commercial fishing because the rub is they provide data. We don't, you know, everyone complains about MRIP and its ability ability to estimate catch and effort. Um, you know, and, and Lou, the thing that compelled me when we first started talking about this was like uh, the Guides Association as a group, we don't, we don't throw like rotten fruit from the cheap seats, right? We kind of get into the arena and if we don't like the way something's going, we try to make it better. Um, and for a long time, there's been no way for us to make things better from like, how do we collect recreational data? And it's been so archaic and like, you know, analog, like fill out your angler survey, you know, let's get on a let's get on a phone call and do a 45 minute survey and see if you can recollect how many fish you caught last year and i'm like dude i got kids man i'm like 51 i'm pretty stoked i put my underwear on this morning you know what i mean like the eyes oh how many fish did i catch last year like i don't know no clue whatsoever um so you know there's a lot of different, you know, it's like Baskin Robbins, like 31 flavors. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of difference between nothing and something, and there's different degrees of it. So as we were working through this, the easiest path forward, because this is like rec data collection is a big priority um, in federal fisheries management and just fisheries management across the board. Um, and there's a lot of different efforts going on. So, you know, I think the highest level, you know, that needs validation and all this stuff is what we call like real time catch, catch accounting. So like there is a, a quota on, 
God, I don't even want to say the word, but like there's a quote on Red Snapper. <sighs> don't worry, we're not going there, folks. Spoiler alert. Nope. So there's a there's a recreational, you know, there's 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 a limit on how many fish can be caught, and you're supposed to record your catch for Red Snapper. And like as recreational fishermen are doing it, they're shutting their season down. So like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm not talking about recreational fishermen are bad. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about just humans, right? Like, mm, if I knew I wasn't going to be able to fish anymore, I don't know. And we didn't want to get into this, like, real-time catch accounting. Why? Because there's so much out there that is a pretty easy lift that is desperately needed. Desperate. I mean, like, desperately needed. And let's, Lou, let's talk about um bluefish or actually you know what redfish is even a better example so redfish are in a situation folks this is unbelievable right to the to the common person listening to this the current stock assessment for redfish that's being worked on at the atlantic states marine fisheries commission is a simulation it's a simulation because on the atlantic coast we cannot kill fish over 27 inches can't do it recreational commercially can't do it so that means for the stock assessment there is no data essentially for fish over 27 inches i mean you do a couple of like long line surveys stuff like that they have no clue and you're talking about the number three most caught fish on the atlantic coast stripers bluefish redfish so as we were building this up that was one of the first phone calls that we made because that was a big red flag and we said holy shit it's a simulation how can this possibly be and we have some friends who are on that technical committee some some people who were really close with scientists we respect and we set up a bunch of phone calls and said what do you need and what they told us pretty goddamn easy we need the length of the fish that you release if we had that data we could plug it into this stock assessment and it would help out tremendously with our ability to provide better data for management. And Lou and I looked at each other and we said, we can do that. That's easy. So again, you know, here's the process. There's no data essentially on fish over 27 inches for redfish, critically important stock. I can have my phone in my pocket. It could be sweltering heat in the summer. I could be standing on the bow of a skiff in Charleston and looking at redfish tailing in on a flood tide. Or I could be at the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay with a school of giant fish. We're throwing a spinning rod at them, you know, or I could be in the Atlantic coast of the, the Atlantic coast of Florida up, up Northern part, or I could be in Georgia or I could be in North Carolina. And all I have to do when I release a redfish is go Siri got one redfish, 26 inches, redfish, 34 inches released. Boom. Now imagine it. Let's just aim low. Imagine if there's hundreds of pe- hundreds of people doing this consistently over the course of the season, we have, legitimately flooded those scientists with data that are going to help them manage the species 
that is critically important to countless coastal communities, state economies, lure makers, boat makers. And, and it's all they need to know is how long the fish was that you let go. That's it. So yeah, off to yeah. the races, right, Lou? Yeah. And I think you, you, you touched on a really important point, which is, I, you know, my, my, my experience and what I've learned in, in the consumer and enterprise, you know, software, digital software space is the best software, particularly on the consumer side, um, serves multiple purposes, has kind of a two-sided function. Um, you, you, if you use Facebook again, for better or worse, but if you use Facebook, the value to you is incredible. You remember people's birthdays. You reconnect with your old friends. You, you know, can post photos and remember the special trip you took with your family. But the, the value on the back end to, uh, advertisers, to, um, to product companies is enormous. Um, and, we want to take that same model and apply it to fishing and fisheries, not to uh, sell your data in the way that Facebook does to commercial actors uh, necessarily, really to more to provide the data to fisheries managers and fisheries scientists, but all the time making sure that we're delivering incredible value to anglers to make what they do better and and more efficient and more effective and more exciting. Um, so, you, you know, I've used apps, as I said before, and I've been involved in programs before uh, where I've recorded data for state agencies or for, for other scientific purposes. I've very rarely gotten any benefit from those activities other than the general knowledge that I'm, I'm helping the, the, the larger cause. Uh, this app, you know, got one started as a tool for anglers, pure and simple. If we can then leverage the collected data to actually help us all sustain this fishery and the fish that we love and the fisheries that we love, wow, you know, so much the better. I mean, that's an incredible bonus. And that's kind of the, the, the ecosystem and the value chain that we're trying to create here is, you know, a little bit of data can help all of us be more productive as fishermen, but also help to sustain the the fishery that we love and the fishing the fish that we love. And and Lou, I mean, look, this is uh, this is a credit to you and your team. Um, you know, by and large, in in fishery science and management and policy, as soon as you say app recreational fishing, people start to like sneer, and you see like the the corner of their lip go up. <laughs> And we have done countless presentations. Okay. And I don't, you know, I don't want to give everything away. I'm going to let you talk about the one kind of like, I would say our flagship project, our launch project, but independent of this launch project that I'm, I want Lou to get into after I quit babbling, we are, after we announce this launch project, which I want Lou to do right now, there's going to be at least two other species and most likely on two coasts where we will be fundamentally uh, changing 
our knowledge and data of these critical species, how they're managed, whole enchilada, and we have convinced either management bodies, state agencies, whomever, to say, you know what, we're going to co-brand with this, we're going to use your data, and this is awesome, and we look forward to the future. We've actually contacted you know, people who are working within the council system, employees, told them about what we're doing because we're not looking to like displace other apps or we're not saying like yours stink, ours is better. But we're like, hey, look, this is what we're doing. We don't want to compete with you. We want to just kind of add to the overall body of science. And to an individual, every single one of them has said, you know what, that's awesome. Thank you. And, you know, we can't wait to see where this goes. We're not getting a lot of pushback. And I think it's because we're not encumbered in the development with all the government red tape. We just kind of let the chain off the junkyard dog and said, get them. And then they went out and got them. And we came back and said, look, this is what we got. This is what we can do for you. It's not going to cost you a penny. Our only ask is that you use the data. And then on the flip side, the anglers who download this app and use it, it's total passive information, right? It's anonymized. It's scrubbed. It's exactly what they need, in the scientists need, in the format that they need it. And you don't even know. You know that you're doing it, but from a usage standpoint, there's really not a lot of difference, except for the, our flagship thing, which Lou's going to get into. There's not a lot of difference, but you're getting this incredible log that you're going to who's going to make you a better fisherman, and you kind of you know that you're helping too. So I mean, it, it I don't know. So obviously, the guides association. I would love not to be able to say this. I would love if I didn't have to say it, but I think we're associated with striped bass, right? That's when somebody says guides association, I think by and large, you know, if somebody doesn't know anything about us, they'll be like, oh, those are the striped bass guys, right? And that's not by choice, it's by necessity. And as we all know, one of the biggest rubs against um, the conservation community for striped bass is like, oh, you guys you know catch and release mortality is the issue and you, you monsters you play with fish i just club them and throw them in a cooler you <laughs> devils so we are fortunate enough to know the folks at mass dmf and i i personally think that is one of the best state agencies <laughs> sorry cody i think you're gonna have to cut that out buddy so I, th I think we obviously we know the people at Mass DMF. Uh, I think it's one of the best state agencies, and I think it's filled with people who are really smart and are passionate fishermen and really care. And you know, we could get into why Mass DMF is you know up there in the upper echelons of an, on another podcast. But they're doing this kind of, I would call it, it's definitely the the best, most comprehensive work that's ever been done for catch and release mortality on striped bass. And again, 
ASGA being a group that'll get in there in the arena and slug it out rather than pointing fingers and blaming everybody else. Lou, why don't you tell them what we're fixing to do with mass DMF and striped bass and, and how we're going to hopefully help this fish that, you know, means so much on a, on a personal and business level to almost every single person that's listening to this right now. Yeah. I mean, we're super excited about this partnership and really appreciate uh, ASGA's introduction to them. So, you know, the Massachusetts Division of Marine Fisheries, as many of you know, has been doing this, uh, you know, study. They've just started it um, in the last season, really looking at, at, at the factors that contribute to mortality with striped bass, uh, caught and released striped bass. Um, and again, this is an area I've learned so much from Tony and others about and the Masty folks that I never really understood. I mean, I, I know we always ascribe a percentage mortality to caught and release fish, whether it's 11% or 9% or whatever. And I, and I always kind of scratch my head because I'm super careful about releasing striped bass and I'd be shocked if 11% of my fish or 9% or even 5%, uh, die. But then you also realize that striped bass get handled in a lot of different ways when they're before they're released. And so I was blown away by just the early, um, the early output of their, you know, study that showed that uh, the amount of time that a fish was out of the water had a, a huge correlation with mortality, that where it was hooked made a big difference. You know, obviously the fish is hooked in the gut or the esophagus versus the mouth it makes a big difference. And, and, and so I, I really applaud MassTMF's efforts to leverage citizen science uh, to, um, to help them to refine this data and their findings and help us all to figure out how we do better by striped bass when we are practicing catch and release. But the, the one thing that really stood out to me and to Tony was, you know, holy Crap! I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this on this podcast. Absolutely, but... Lou. Absolutely, we have we have one rule, and we can't drink during the podcast. That rule came out several years ago for very good reason. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll try not to break that rule, but I mean, I will say, you know, it, it really blew me away that the that the data collection still went through uh, the, the 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 narrow choke point, which is the U.S. postal system because you had to fill out a physical card and send it with a postage stamp to the good folks at MassDMF. And the Got One app, we realized, collected all the data other than this additional data around, um, you know, landing time, um, time before release, uh, where the fish was hooked, the number of hooks that were used, um, several other things like that. But we could add that that data capture to the app really, really easily. The, the key was making sure we could do it in a way that it was those additional data fields were only exposed to users who had registered to participate in the study. And so we've now done that and we're super excited to uh, to, to be able to launch the app with these new features to support the MassDMF Striper study. And we'll provide all the coordinates, Tony, I assume, for folks to register with MassDMF to participate in the survey and then to, to enable the app. But it's really simple if you, if you either if you've already um, registered um, to participate in the MassDMF study or if you register now and whether you're, you have the app or you don't have the app yet, 
Um, if you follow the easy steps on the MassTMF website, uh, we will um, um, allow you to download the app or just to enable the functionality if you already use the app and you'll be able to log all this data instantly on the boat and or, or on uh, in the surf. And by doing that, that data gets expedited to MassTMF so that they have almost instantaneous access to it. Which will really transform the and they don't they don't have somebody at Mass DMF with a basically an Excel spreadsheet, yeah, punching yeah. you know punching chicken scratching on a piece of paper that somebody wrote while right. a wave was hitting them on a beach or you know rolling their boat in the ocean or all the other stuff and having to like manually like type things yeah. in. This is going to be, I mean, man, if y'all knew how many phone calls, like this is going to be sent to them, digitized in a way where they can, they can incorporate it into their system. And, you know, look, this is just us, us kind of goofing around about, you know, me saying like, you know, a piece of paper that you're right. This is the best that we've always been able to do in, in fisheries management. And this got one app is a vehicle to, I mean, look, it's got to increase participation, right? And, and the more that we have, the better it is, the better it is for the fish, the better it is for everything. Um, and the, and the concept that like, all you have to do is just register a fish and now you're playing a role in the only thing that two things that we are consistently criticized about and that's catch and release mortality and wreck data collection and this is folks this is how you win right this is how you turn the tide like if you're passionate about this we'll put you you know put your money where your mouth is and record this stuff because it's going to be used it's going to be used and it's going to, it's hopefully over time, it's going to lay the groundwork where the knowledge base on all these species that we're going to be collecting data for, it's going to be vastly improved. And, and, you know, look, man, I say it all the time. Fortune favors the bold, you know, there's, there's a lot of groups, a lot of people that have been out there that has, have been, complaining about the lack of rec data or how MRIP stinks or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Managers don't know what they're talking about. Well, look, we're stepping up to the plate and we're offering a solution. And ultimately it's up to y'all to try it or not try it all. You know, you can bring a horse to water, right? Can't make them drink. So I'm literally taking the bridle, me and Lou, and we're walking you over to the water. And whatever you want to do, I have no control over. Um, it's like these meetings, these striper meetings. Like we'll work for a month on them, two months on them, and try to get signatures, try to do all these things. And you don't know how it's going to go. And you just kind of look in the mirror and said, I did the best I could. Whatever happens, happens. But I tell you what, I didn't leave one thing on the field. Not one. I did everything. And I think this this checks that box. Forgot one for the Guides Association. 
this is not like some goofy little thing, you know, some kid in their mom's basement. You basically have a thought leader in the industry that said, hey, you know what? I think I can do this. And then you have us who have like all these connections with science and managers. And I was like, well, hold on a minute. I'm going to open the door to this world and let's, let's see if we can, we can get some, we can get some traction. And goddamn, we did. And yeah, we've got several, several thousand catches already logged, to, uh, Tony. I know you know this, but it's crazy. You know, just, we That's just like beta testing it. and we haven't even announced it no. yet. Yeah. So like, I, look, um, from my, from the guides association perspective, we're not, this is, this is, this is Lou, right? This is Lou's company and, and he's enough of a good human being where he's opening the doors for science on this and putting it, putting it in a format where it makes their life really, really easy. Um, and if you've ever wanted to participate in a study, if you ever wanted to make things better, be a part of something that could like really fundamentally change um, science, the way that we collect it and the understanding of critical species, we're providing the vehicle for you to do that. And, and Tony, a couple of in lieu of a state agency guys, if y'all knew how many, Oh my God, if you knew how many hours we have spent on the phone in zoom meetings, you would, you would appreciate us a lot more. <laughs> we have essentially convinced a state agency to do this and their brand will, their logo will be right next to ours. And it's a partnership. And I, I don't, if you had any concept in our, of our world and how hard that is to do, I'd be hearing the applause coming out of my window right now. <laughs> it is like pushing a boulder uphill for good reason. They can't you know every person who comes to them with an idea they don't have time to entertain that this was this was an uphill slog and you know what we did it so lou what were you going to say buddy yeah i just also wanted to uh, make a shout out to uh, uh folks who've you know really supported this initiative early on so obviously you know huge shout out to you tony and to the saltwater guides association for for having the you know vision to kind of help push all of this um, the Nature Conservancy has been a, uh, our early supporter in this work. So huge, huge I mean, huge shout out to Nature Conservancy, their knowledge, the scientists that they have on staff and what they've been able to do to help guide and direct us. The, a, a massive thank you to them isn't enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so uh, they've been incredible. I mean, certainly folks like, uh, Mass DMF who got it and were willing to, to, to play ball with us in, in a very unconventional way as far as the scientific community goes and, and to, to the other state agencies and, and, and councils who, who've engaged with us. Tom Fuda, uh, who is another, um, you know, just, uh, obsessive, uh, recreational fly angler, uh, saltwater fly angler who happened to hear me talk about got one and, and, and was a software developer and reached out and said, Hey, can I help? Uh, he's just been un unbelievable in his, uh, technical leadership. Uh, and, um, you know, so we're, we're just super thankful for everyone leaning into this and, and helping out. Um, and another thing, 
Tony, we might want to talk about is kind of the future roadmap because I, I'm super excited about where we're going. Uh, listen, everyone, everyone, if you <laughs> if if technology scares you and you don't want to end up like what was it the, the, either the Matrix or uh, uh, Skynet on the Terminator, we're going to bid you a fond ado right now because what you're getting ready to hear is real. Okay, I'm just going to tell you it's real, it's happening. And like, I think one of the things that I've learned going through this process, having like zero knowledge of apps or app development or anything is like, to me, there's a core difference between got one and and that's the that's the development and the and the kind of the product side of it because they they will the developers will look at it and they will hit they will you know pass a milestone okay but there's five more milestones in the next six months so everything that's being developed now builds on an outlook of where technology will be in a year or two years or three years. So this, cause like what the hell is good with a log if you're using an app and it's not constantly updated with the latest and the greatest, you know, like, Oh, so three years from now, nobody's going to be working on this. And it's just one of those apps in the app store that nobody downloads and it's just shit. Yeah. That's not, uh-uh. So just, if you're still here, <laughs> buckle up. Here comes Neo and Trinity out of the <laughs> core of the earth. Hold on to your hats. It's going to get a little creepy. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, um, there's, there's a lot. I mean, there's so much as a, as a developer, product guy, and as a fisherman that I want to do with the app. But uh, the new advances in artificial intelligence in particular have just opened up incredible opportunities for us. So I am ac actually uh, have the privilege of being on the board of the Global Fish AI Consortium, who knew there was such a thing <laughs> as a result of my work uh, on Got One. Um, and also thanks to, to uh, folks at uh, the U.S. Geological Survey, uh, who Tony connected me with, um, and it, it turns out there are some really advanced efforts underway, both through universities and through companies like Google and others, um, to to use some of the new uh, large language model and generative AI capabilities that many of you are probably familiar with through using things like ChatGPT and Google Bard and uh, and, and and other such tools uh, to to unlock the capability uh, in software to do things like actually measure a fish through a photograph um, under, you know, not have, you have to punch in the length, but to actually determine the length, determine the girth through that to determine the weight. Uh, but even more interestingly, we're starting to see significant success in the ability to identify fish species. So uh, there's a, a terrific um, uh, study that's being done, research program that's being done right now around the identification of trout, uh, which USGS and Wild Me and folks in Japan are doing 
they actually show the ability to match a fry with an adult version of the same fish, the identical fish through the par markings uh, on the fish. And it's ultra reliable. Uh, and there's similar uh, work being done and research being done across multiple species and multiple regions. Uh, so we are contributing to that effort. And we are going to, um, in the next probably couple of months, uh, if not sooner, add the ability to associate a photo of the fish that you catch with your, with your log entry. Over time, the photo itself will become the log entry because the photo should allow us to actually capture length, uh, girth, ultimately weight, and even species just through the photo. The photo will also have, obviously, the location information, the uh, time of catch information. Um, and then that will allow us to collect a repository of, of photographs of key game fish that we will start to use along with our friends in the Global Fish AI Consortium to train machine learning models to be able to become ultra, ultra successful at identifying those fish, ultimately to the specific uh, identity of the fish, which, you know, if you kind of think about the impact of that over time, um, should really become a replacement for traditional tagging altogether. Every single fish you log will ultimately be tagged uh, through AI and our digital technology. So. Um... If anyone wants to know in my basement, I'm actually building the metal mechanized battle platforms to where we can fight against <laughs> with the AIs <laughs> over the world. <laughs> like we'll we'll have the last bastion of uh of you know people like me who are rejecting this with all of their heart. Um, so, you know, please send an email to info. It's all water guides information. Uh, <laughs> if you need any, if you need any plans on, you know, the last resistance. Um, but so just, okay. Okay. Lou, thank you for explaining that for dumb, the dumb fisherman translation. Pretty soon you're going to be able to take a picture with this app. And it's going to put it into a repository. And as time goes on, they're going to write AI programs that can kind of crawl through the different species and start uniquely identifying very similar to what they do with like great whites when some has one has a scar on its fin or whatever. Um, you know, I know everyone right now is like, oh, the spot on a redfish. Well, that's what Lou and I thought. But uh, unfortunately for us, the spots on redfish change over time, the individual fish. So, yeah, it's not quite that easy. But the cool thing is, is it's a computer. It's not a person that's doing this. So it will it will figure out a way to to do this. So, like, I'll give you an example we get this thing working in the next year i log a fish in the chesapeake bay the two or if i'm good enough to catch the two or three stripers that are left here um i'll i'll catch a striper and then five or six years later lou catches that off long island and it matches it up now you have like growth rates migrational patterns catch and release mortality all of this all of this stuff that boom we can give to science the other really kind of you know super cool thing and i think one of the ways that we're going to test it and this was a recommendation from a scientist that we've been working closely with with math mass dmf is when we hand out the spaghetti tagging kits for albies this year it's going to be mandatory um once we get this 
uh, photo technology live with the app, it's going to be mandatory that you take a picture of that fish when you tag it because we had a, a situation where we got a couple of recaptures on those tags. So, you know, put yourself in this situation. It's a year from now, you put the spaghetti tag in the Albi, you take a picture of it. Two years from now, that Albi's recaptured. There's the tag. You take a picture of it. It goes into the system. And without any knowledge of the tag number or anything like that, the AI goes ding, 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 ding. We have a match. You actually have the physical evidence that it's correct. And that's the kind of stuff that fishery scientists want to see um, to, to, you know, the proof of concept that the AI. So what I'm saying is like, it's kind of neat because all the science and the education, the advocacy that we're doing, it's going to be fully complemented by the capabilities that this app will have in the next few months, which is just freaking wild, right? (laughs) It's just wild. To me, it's, it's totally nuts. Yeah, it's super exciting. I mean, I think it, it was, it's been really easy and understandable for science, for real scientists to be a little skeptical about citizen science and about, you know, um, uh, avid anglers like us contributing to the knowledge base. But with the tools that we're building and that uh, AI is now making possible, we can actually, as recreational anglers, be the most accurate and the most comprehensive source of data for the scientific community. And we can solve problems that the scientific community has struggled to solve for forever. Um, not, so not because they're not trying. Not because they're not because trying. Because of the limits of technology. That's right. That's right. So, you know, when you, I, I mean, the Albi study that you guys have been doing with ASGA is just so exciting. I mean, just to answer that age old question as to whether the, the, Albies that we catch up here in New England and New York are the same as what you catch in Harker's or down in Jupiter. Uh, like the fact that you were able to do that with spaghetti tags in one season study is incredible. Imagine if you can multiply by that by everyone being a tagger through the app, uh, how much we would actually yeah, and know. How, I mean, how much less look, it's going to take a little time to ramp up. I'm not a, I'm not a cup is half full kind of guy generally. But like the reality is, again, we're putting it out there. We're putting ourselves out there. We're putting, you're putting your business out there. I'm putting the association out there. And at least we're trying. At least we're trying. I mean, right. That's what, that's what life is all about for me. I, look, I'm, I end up with egg on my face constantly. And, uh, and, and it's, it's more because I'm not really comfortable going with the flow and conforming or anything like that. And if we have an ability to make things better, even if there's a potential for failure, well, man, fail gloriously, fail gloriously. At least you tried, you know, at least, at least you said, coach, give me the ball. Right. One minute left, fourth down. If you don't give me the ball, I'll kill you. (laughs) And that's kind of like, I think that's our mentality with a different personality. Right. It's it. I didn't even totally did not even mean to rhyme on that, but it's, it's, it's the mentality that kind of Lou and I have two totally different personalities, two totally different individuals, but like, fuck it. If you don't try, what's the point? Like, what's, why are you even doing this? So, you know, all this said, none of this is a criticism of the way things are traditionally done, but like, we're very cringy 
about the spaghetti tags. We're very um, conservative on who that we give those tagging kits to. Um, because I got to tell you, like, there's a tagging program in the Chesapeake Bay for stripers right now, and it won't, I want to pass out. Every time I see people like throwing towels on a striper, popping it with a tag, and I'm in, in like August, it's like 100 degrees, and you're just like, what are you doing? Why don't you just step on the thing's head? You know what I mean? Like, it's usually stupid. So, like, you know, especially with Albies, they bleed so much, and they're, you know, they're they seem so delicate clearly they're not based on our telemetry study but that was our assumption before we started but just, you know the tagging stuff is super cringy so we're very narrow of who we're letting do this we want you know we have the best interest of the fish but we want this science now imagine two years from now if we can get the same science from taking a goddamn picture yeah and, 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 Tony, and that's, that's to me that's, that's it's so less invasive yeah yeah. And, and then you know, everyone can participate. It. You can participate yeah. in a tagging study, but you don't have to put a tag in them. How awesome is that? Yeah, it, it's awesome. And, you know, it, what everyone wants to do, every angler wants to do when they catch a fish is take a picture of it. And and so if, if you knew that by taking that picture and getting that fish quickly back into the water, you were contributing to science as much as someone who was putting us a, a spaghetti oh, tag. What a, what, Lou, what about this? Like, you know, with that whole AI thing, you know, if everyone, they explain this to me, but if you turn your, if y'all are listening to this, if you turn your phone over and you look at your cameras, you got like three or four cameras on your phone. It's not just one. Well, one of them, one of them is that LIDAR thing that can judge depth and size. Well, they're, they're working on perfect. These developers are working on perfecting that too. To where when you yeah. take her a picture of a fish, it'll tell you length and girth. So now you're not sitting there with a tape measure, you know, trying to extra time. Like I, in our vision of this, you have the fish in a net or you got it by the lip if it doesn't have teeth. And it's sitting there in the water and your fishing buddy grabs the phone and you go one, two, three. And you pick the fish up, blam, you take the picture and then boom. It's right back in the water. So it's the least invasive way. You're going to be able to get dimensions of the fish. It's going to add to science. The only negative that I can see is you're not going to be able to lie about the size of your fish. <laughs> well, I, I never do that to yeah, him, so. Well, <laughs> everyone else but me and you is not going to be able to say they caught a bunch of 50s, right? There's going to be a lot of 46 and 47 inch you, you fish. You remember when they used to call those personal uh, fish weighing machines deliers? Yeah, yeah. This is this is the Mac Daddy of this is going to be the Mac Daddy of all D liars, you know? Because like that, we're sorry about that. Maybe Lou can design something for a preference setting. You could say you know budget by at least an extra thirty percent. Yeah, no, it's you know what it is, Lou. It's a premium version if you log over five hundred fish. After we send it, after we send it to science, you can you get three inches to lie about the the length of the fish, right? It's just you know to to to, for like the we'll call it the bragging board premium version or something. I don't know. But I always knew you were a product guy. You know, there you go. It's it's been here. It's it's all been here. I know at least a hundred dudes who would pay an extra five bucks a month for that, Lou. Right. So, uh, so yeah, man, I I mean, this is a lot to absorb for people, Um, you know, and it's, I guess here's, uh, so if we had a frequently asked question thing, 
just me knowing fishermen. I don't really know how else to say this, but um, I'm the least. I probably have the oldest sonar of anyone you've heard on this podcast. I am, I am, uh, I am the least. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I, I put a blindfold on my son before we go fishing together, right? Like there's nobody I've laid in the boat and pretend like I'm dead. When people have gone by, just to look at my boats adrift, you know what I mean? So they don't, people don't see me. Um, I, I, we're the most secretive bunch of people here in the Bay because the population is so dense and the few spots that still produce are so sensitive. Um, so frequently asked question is like, you guys really just want to know where I'm fishing. No, we don't. Lou, Lou has been on the front lines of designing apps that bring in a lot of money because people are buying online education courses. You know, somebody wants an engineering degree from MIT or they want to learn how to program Python. And uh, if Lou wasn't, and a complete expert in his team in data privacy and security, uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't be doing what he does professionally. Uh, it's the highest level, um, highest level that one would expect, um, and uh, and we value that for fishermen more than you could ever imagine. Because you, I am talking as a person who has seen incredibly sensitive areas get steamrolled and they are a thing of memory i don't go there anymore it's gone and i would uh, lou i tell you lou's a diehard fisherman spends so much time out there it's not even funny and we would not do that to people not in a million years i we would probably walk away from the app and pretend it never existed um if that were even a possibility it's not it's not going to happen. We want you all to have the best fishing log you've ever had. And we want you all to contribute to science in multiple ways. And this is how to do it. And it's going to take a little faith and trust in us and the guides association and our word. And all I can tell you is we've never led you astray. And it takes, it's just going to take a little bit of trust. And I hope y'all, I hope y'all trust us enough to give this app a shot because it's one of those things like you better have some FOMO because every fishing trip you go on and you don't record this stuff, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Because I don't care how long you've been fishing, if you don't think that there's more to learn, you're not a passionate fisherman. I don't care if you've been fishing for 70 years. Uh, the thing that drives me uh, about every aspect of fishing is I learn something new every single time I go out. Every time I go out, I learn something new. And if you have that mentality that you can always grow and learn something, to me, those are the people who stay passionate about fishing through the whole the whole course of their life. Yeah, I mean, and that's we're, why we're, we do we're it, giving right? you a vehicle to do that's that. That's what makes it fun. That's yeah. what makes it fun. Yeah, and and uh, just to piggyback on that, because it's a super important point. So, some promises from us: uh, we will we will never share your specific. GPS locations for a catch with anyone, unless for some reason you told us to, that's your data. Even with the scientists, we're generalizing that data. Uh, and 
we will always also make the data, generalized anonymized data available for free to qualified research and science and fisheries management partners. But emphasis on qualified, they really have to be folks that, uh, in particular, Eileen Antoni and the Saltwater Guys Association to tell us uh, these folks are doing something legitimate with this data, but it will always be anonymized and it will always be generalized in terms of location. Uh, you know, on the roadmap over time, we'd like to add the ability for you to share data, more specific data with, you know, your fishing buddy, uh, or if you're an outfitter with your guides, et cetera, but that will always be your choice. Uh, and we will never share that specific data with anyone other than you uh, and who you permit that data to be shared with. That's our commitment. You know, one of the coolest things about the app, and they worked on it so hard, and I, I would be remiss not to bring this up, is, you know, none of us are perfect, right? So, like, it's kind of like, you know, especially me, right? I would be at the forefront of that statement. So I get in from fishing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot. I forgot to log an app. Right. I, I'm sorry. I forgot to turn on the app and log like the last five fish I caught in the last hour of the day. Well, I can come home and I can log those fish. So like I'm sitting in my office right now, but I know when I caught, the, I caught, know where I caught those fish and I know what time I caught them. So I can register like those five fish and take that little pin in the map and drag it out to where I caught the fish and say what time, and it'll download all that information and keep my log going, which is a really cool feature because like we're fishermen. Um, our, you know, if I had to do the f top five personality traits, uh, number one would be when I'm out on a boat, I'm not thinking about anything other than fishing, right? I'm not thinking about logging a fish. So we kind of, this is when fishermen design something for fishermen. This is what you get. We're like, hey, we know this is going to happen. Let's yeah. fix this before it's broken. So all sorts yeah. of cool stuff like that that you're going to find. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me speak to that. That's a really good prompt, Tony, because uh, even, even I, as the app developer, I forget to log a fish in the heat of the moment. Um, and the problem is when you get back to the dock or after you've cleaned your boat or, you know, cleaned your waders off, you don't even remember where exactly you caught it or when or what size it was, et cetera. So, um, so what we've done is, uh, which is, again, a huge benefit of the digital technology is you can go and backdate your catch and you can move the little pin on the map to where you caught it. But it won't just change the time and the date and the location. It will also go back and get the historical environmental data. So it, it knows what the tide stage was at that moment in time from that location rather than in your garage six hours later. Uh, and so you could even um, take older log entries that you had and import them basically through that methodology into got one now so you could just go ahead and start creating log entries and then just backdate them and 
and show the location of those catches, and it will pick up all the historical data um, to, to to create a, a valid log entry for you. Yeah, I'm not taking a day off in my building of my battle personal defense battle machine <laughs> <laughs> in my basement. Like, I mean, I'm getting I'm getting off this podcast, and I'm going to start turning some wrenches, man. It's coming. I'm kind of counting on that because when the AI start coming for me, I'm coming yeah, over to you. You know, I already told you, you and your whole family, um, come on down. So. Uh, so yeah, look, guys, this is so kind of so much to digest, but like the proof is in the pudding, right? We're not Lou and I did not come on here and say, "Hey, here's an app, you should use it." That's not what we said. We said, "Hey, Lou developed this app. We've convinced the state agency." fisheries agency and probably one of the most robust agencies on the east coast if not the i mean i would put probably massachusetts and florida would be like the one two punch right as far as like you know holy mackerel there's a lot of you know fisheries that go on in those two states so we have convinced a top tier state agency to use this uh in a very complicated way to enhance their current science initiative on what impacts catch and release mortality for striped bass. And they're going to do it. And this podcast is part about announcing that. And if you understood how difficult that was, you'd understand what an incredible product that Lou and his team have developed. So if that isn't enough to pitch you and sell you, striped bass are in trouble. We all know that. (laughs) This is a way to help us better understand them and every little bit is going to help. So we're, we're giving you a way to help other than sign our letter, uh, you know, call your, call your congressperson or email your commissioner. This is, this is real stuff. And I think on a real 30,000 foot view, you know, everyone wants to throw slings and barbs at, at the conservation community that like, we're the real problem. Okay. Well, we're, we're coming up with a real solution. So what do you well, got? What do you been doing? What have you been doing besides complaining and whining while we've been working for a year developing technology that it is our hope will make things better for everyone. Even the people who love to say mean stuff about us. So, um, you know, Lou, uh, I think there'll probably be like a follow-up podcast to talk about, you know, new releases, new capabilities, new fish that we're going to be helping out. But like this, this launch is going to coincide with the, the fall run for stripers. You do not have to live in Massachusetts. The Mass DMF people need data from the whole coast. So North Carolina to Maine. They need all the data. It is not confined just to Massachusetts. And then the Albi stuff is going to kick off here real soon. And guess what? They don't have the they don't have the release lengths for Albies either. So this app is going to be able to provide that. And then you're going to hear about another fish. And then you're going to hear about another fish. And you're going to go, well, what the hell's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. We've been working our butts off behind the scenes for a year. And this is what happens when people do that. Work really hard, leave their egos at home, 
and want to ultimately do good um and and are have a have a pretty thick streak of bravery running down them where you know what the hell let's try we have we have the ability let's see what we can do so that's it you know lou i think uh we, you know we've been talking about it there'll be you know we haven't even come close to figuring it out yet because we're we're dealing with the launch. But, you know, we'll try to figure out something to reward the guides association will figure out something to reward members who use the app. I'm sure there's a free pair of sunglasses. We haven't figured any of that out yet, but we're this is going to be a focal point of the guides association. This is going to be one of our pillars. Cannot thank Lou enough for being on here. I don't think we left anything out, Lou. I mean, covered on no, awful lot. No, I mean, no, I just, you know, listen, Tony, I, I know we said this earlier, but it's been, it, it really has been an incredible experience working with you and all the American Saltwater Guides Association folks and the state agencies and Nature Conservancy. I, I just really value our partnership. And I think the work you folks are doing is super important. And, you know, I've had a lot of fun with this and I'm, I really just want people to use the app and get as much out of it as I do and 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 give me feedback too. We we want the feedback. Let us know what works, what doesn't work, what you're having trouble with, you know, what you'd see like to see next on the roadmap. Um that's where I get my my excitement and and my kind of return on investment from is knowing all of you uh see value in this uh both in terms of of contributing to the science of fisheries but also just to contribute to the fun of, of your fishing. Uh, so, you know, reach out and let us know what you think. Yeah. And, you know, Lou, we look forward to, um, we look forward to having, having your here on again, you know, in the, in the upcoming weeks to kind of make the next announcement and the next announcement. Um, but none of this would have been possible kind of without your vision and it's just kind of like, you know, I just, I can see it, man. A little light bulb went off in your mm -hmm. head and you were like, wait a minute. It's not that much of a leap from what I'm doing now. And, you know, I, this is my world and this is my hobby and my passion and I can make these things intersect. And, uh, and those are the kind of stories that I love because I don't know, to me, you know, you, you, you to make these tiny, tiny incremental steps and it's just progress is so slow. And then you have this individual who looks at things differently, completely differently because they come from a different place. And then all of a sudden, blam, there's the leap, right? Then they, you make this huge leap. And then that that leap, that rising tide lifts all ships. And, uh, and I think that's what we're fixing. I think that's what we're fixing to see. Um, that I'm just, you know, I'm just so glad that we've been able to work together on this for so long. And I think the future is super bright. So y'all go to your, uh, go to your Google play store, your, uh, Apple, whatever app store is it the app store i don't have yeah. guys this is a big fight between me and the inner circle i will not get an iphone i don't care what so you go to the go to that place where the apple store we love you no matter which you use app store yeah nobody can text me that's why i'll never get an iphone so um go to that download got one registration is super easy opt into the stripe bass survey 
Um, you'll see that when you start looking at stripers, that'll make sure that all that data goes into the, into the mass to mass DMF. Um, and like Lou said, let us know what you think. Um, we hope you enjoy it. We put our hearts and souls into it and, you know, I, I, I think this is the future. So thanks everyone for listening. We sincerely appreciate it. Lou, we look forward to having you on again real soon. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Can't wait. <laughs>